Everybody, welcome to another installment of Show to Be with Mike G, the show of life, the show of Baltimore, the show of running, roller derby, and health. Most importantly, health. Today's guest, the Baltimore stable herself, Miss Amy Ward, caught her doing some conversations for Bar Institute here in Austin, Texas, surrounding mental health, physical health, how to take care of yourself from behind the bar, and even certain little techniques to help those repetitive straining injuries. It's a great thing to talk about now, now that cocktail culture has this resurgence. There's a lot of people that have been in this industry a long time, and we put our bodies on the line every single night, drinking, partying, and just working. Those repetitive motions in your shoulders, lower back, these are things that you need to take care of. And it's great to talk to Amy about certain kinds of solutions there, how to eat better behind the bar, how to plan, and how to overall just take better care of your body. So without further ado, I hope you guys enjoy this great chat with Amy Ward. Yeah, Baltimore has definitely changed a lot in the last couple of years. I think it's just like any other big city that you're in. There's going to be good blocks. There's bad blocks. Yeah. You know, walk with a sense of purpose and know where you're going. And, Does and that help? Yeah. Looking like confident? I think uh, I walk like a crazy person when I'm going down the street, so nobody really describes me. The, the crazy. Uh, hood up, fierce walking, yeah. like very purposeful, fast, little agitated looking. Yeah, that's good. Nobody wants to talk to the weirdo that's like speed walking where they have to go. That is very true. Because they're like, is she on drugs, maybe? Right. More than likely, if I'm in Baltimore, I might you be. You <laughs> could very well be, right? Yeah. But I, but so I've only been to Baltimore once. I spent an evening there, and I was told explicitly to not walk back to my hotel, and it kind of put me off. I can't imagine that Baltimore is truly that dangerous. I really don't think it's that bad. I, just like I said, there's certain neighborhoods that have a little bit more crime associated yeah. with it, but it's a city just like any other. There's yeah. going to be crime. There's going to be higher rates of it because there's more people in the city. Um, people look at tourists as early, easy targets just yeah. because they don't know where they're going. They don't look like they're walking with a sense of purpose. So That's yeah, a good point. Yeah. you might be able to, to be pinpointed a little bit easier by someone who doesn't want to be up to any good at that point yeah. in time. But Is it safe to say that hoodies are the great equalizer? Yes. Because <laughs> it makes you look like you know where you're going and pissed off no matter what country or state you're in, right? Yeah, absolutely. And if, you're, if you've ever watched Luke Cage, the series, yeah, there you go. then we know the hoodies are... Are the way of life right there so <laughs> very very powerful stuff yeah is it for people in chicago for people in uh, not houston as much but maybe new york is there a sense of pride about being from maryland i think so i've always been very happy to be from maryland i think we're one of the only states that's like deeply in love with our flag yeah and we put it on absolutely everything so the maryland maryland pride crab cakes and football all that nonsense um, Cal Ripken Jr. Cal Ripken Jr. Hell yes. Oh, man after my heart. I love that guy still. Yeah, he's great. I, you know, you grow up watching some of these, like, people that you fall in love with that just really give you a sense of love for the for the state. And it does. It seems like a great spot. I mean, the people are amazing. I love it. I've I mean, it, we 
it's always been a very working class town. And that's coming down from like when it was a steel, you know, steel import export yeah, place. Yeah. Um, it's very tight knit. It's very tiny. It's very scrappy. We don't pretend to be anything that we're not. I don't think there's really much air pretentiousness because we are what you see. Yeah. And I think that's kind of the best thing about Baltimore. I think it is what it is. Yeah, and I think that's important now mm-hmm. because there's a lot of, uh, man, we can talk about cocktail being that way. We can talk about fitness being that way. People yeah. being pretentious and, oh, I won't eat gluten. Yeah. I mean, come on. You know, there's just certain things that, that really have uh, this air. So it's good to hear the kind of like working class yeah. down to earth, you know. Yeah, absolutely. And and with our industry in particular, we are a very close-knit group of humans. Like we generally like each other's company. Yeah. And it's not a bunch of bullshit, <laughs> if I can say that. So That's true, yeah. Um yeah, so it's it's nice. It's a lot of camaraderie. It's very close. It's it's beautiful. It's good. Well, I got to go back then. Now yeah. that I now that I know like a person. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Please, I will be happy to be your tour guide throughout See, there all we time. Go. It's perfect. Yeah. And I got to get a crab cake cuz they're Absolutely just lump you do. crab. It's and you go outside like of the city for that. Like okay. the county has has some of the best stuff. Fair. Closer you get to the proper parts of the water and not the harbor, yeah. then you'll be closer to the good okay, stuff. Okay, well good. I'm making a list. Yes. <laughs> Mental tab. Back. Mental tab indeed. So as I understand it, this, it's interesting because there's a lot of intersections for you, at least from the kind of mm-hmm. research I did, is talk about kinesiology, the physical fitness piece, and then hospitality. So, But ultimately, you're born and raised in Maryland. What part of Maryland? Um, so I was born in PG County in Chevrolet, just outside of Washington, D.C. Oh, okay. Spent a couple years there and then moved to Edgewater, um, which is in Anne Arundel County, right on the water, edge of the water, yeah, before, yeah. Uh, just south of Annapolis. and. Um, once I was 18, I was up and out of there and started kind of bebopping around. Uh, well, what is it like? So as a, I moved around a lot when I was younger. So what is, how do you get into trouble in Maryland? Like as a kid, or does that even uh, happen? I mean, most of the people getting where I grew up, it was getting in trouble, like playing on the water or being out like on boats when you shouldn't have been yeah, or crabbing yeah. and bringing in the wrong size crab. That wasn't of legal limit. Like it little, sounds like, tough though. Yeah. Stuff like <laughs> Um, I definitely grew up in a much more rural and rural area and and lots of, um, water around everything. But I, I always wanted to be in the city. So that's why I eventually found my way to Baltimore. Where's, is, were your folks doing the, the farm, like, is it called farming? Is it? No, 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 no. It's, I mean, we were in farm, farm town, but my, um, my dad's a printer and my mom was a paralegal. Oh, cool. Um, and my dad still is in the printing industry in, in Washington, D.C., so... Just very blue collar, working class. Yeah. They they never went to. They went to about a semester of college, dropped out, got married, had kids, and the American dream. Yeah, yeah. 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 Had two kids by the time they were twenty three, and dang. So you, it. but but for you, like the small town thing wasn't big enough. That you was had to not get my. Into, yeah, that was not my name. cup of tea. I mean, like I moved out the moment that I possibly could. Was it? But it's not because of any kind of like discord or anything with your no, parents, no, no. Right? I I just I was always very independent human I wanted yeah. to be out and experience everything you know I grew up in such a very plain vanilla area yeah. where you only see the same person you know same few people all the time so I you know moved away to try to experience as much as I possibly could and by moving away I mean I moved all throughout Maryland which you can drive through in about three and a half hours. So, oh, really? I don't realize yeah. it's so small. It's, okay. it's pretty tiny. I mean, Delaware is definitely tinier and yeah, they're close yeah. to us. But, uh, yeah, I, I moved probably about 30 minutes north when I first moved out and mm. then eventually got closer towards Baltimore. Okay. Well, really so was the move, 
the college thing, right? So you talk about like having two kids, getting married. That's part of the American dream. Mm-hmm. I guess another aspect or facet to it is got to go to college, got to get that degree. Was that of any interest to you to go? Yeah, out absolutely. I always wanted to go to college. I was, I'm the first person to go to college really? in my in my family. Um, graduate, went back and got another degree yeah, too. Wow. Um, and it was nothing I was really pushed towards. It was as long as I tried the best at what I was doing and put my best effort forward, yeah. that was good enough for That's my family. Crazy. Like, so, you know, they always like, yeah, great. You're going to school. That's fantastic. Oh my God, you're going for another degree. Yeah. Jesus, we weren't even really like, expecting that. Blown, right? yeah. Whoa, calm down. Um, <laughs> no, but they've always been supportive of absolutely everything I did. Yeah. It just, it, those things weren't priority. It was work as hard as you possibly can, put your best effort forward yeah. and, you know, I think that very blue, blue collar mentality. Well, I think that's great. So yeah. like work for what you've got mm-hmm. instead of ever feeling entitled yep. for it, you know? Absolutely. Were you a math and science kid or more arts, liberal college kind of thing? Uh, math and science, but desperately wanted to be the other, yeah. I think. Um, I did a lot of art when I was growing up and played sports, too. I always, always. So you had like this, 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 deco- well, not a dichotomy, like a duality in it. Yeah, sense. yeah, what, yeah. What, like, when you talk about art, were you drawing? Were you painting? Drawing, painting. My grandmother taught me how to draw and paint, and oh, wow. she still is a magnificent artist. Yeah. Um, and I wanted so much to be like that, but I think I was always going to be more science-minded. I tried like hell. Yeah. I really did, but it, like my writing, my science, that was always fighting one another <laughs> and inner turmoil yeah yeah but that's what creates some cool movement in yeah. life you know absolutely um but ended up you know even for my degrees once i went to school you know i did kinesiology in its proper form exercise physiology for my undergrad and then kind of from there went into the physical cultural studies yeah. side of it for my master's because i wanted to write about it i wanted to talk about like things that were happening political wise and in, in the sports movement yeah, yeah. um and being a woman and being an athlete and the, you know, the, the kind of fights you fight in that, which aren't really so much nowadays, I think, yeah. but like 10 but years it, ago when yeah, I was... It's still, it, it, it's still very important to have that very voice much. now. You yeah, know. yeah. What, what was your sport of choice? Um, so I was field hockey okay. while I was growing up, field hockey and softball. And then I eventually found my way into roller derby. Oh, cool. Yeah. By doing my, my master's thesis, I found roller derby. And <laughs> counterintuitive, I got to yeah. tell you, it doesn't seem like it. Yeah, uh, and uh, roller derby, I played for about eight years. I'm still semi-involved on the coaching yeah, wow. side and will be more recreational again in the, in the near future. But now I've taken on strong woman training in the what last it, whoa, year. Whoa, yeah, what is that? Yeah, uh, so basically Olympic lifting, but okay. moving odd everyday objects. It's so like, str- I will, like tires. And yep, flipping oh, tires, shit. throwing kegs over a bar. Keg carries and toss. Yeah, yeah, functional strength. <laughs> well, <laughs> things kegs, that, things that work behind the bar, pretty fantastic. Yeah. So. Well, that's, I mean, so you, I'm not going to make any assumptions, but so we're both adults here. Mm-hmm. We're out of our 20s. Is that fair to yep. say? Okay. So there's always that, that hump. You get out of college and you're living a certain way and then you're working and then your metabolism slows down inevitably. But how did you, or when did you realize like you actually need to, take care of your body yeah I I did have that aha moment too because even with that background that I had and being heavily involved in sports I started working part-time in the bar industry and found myself gravitating towards the bad eating habits and just easy right mm -hmm. it was very easy and I you know it was about four years ago or so that I woke up and I'm like god my I feel like crap yeah. Like, I feel sluggish. I put on weight that I never should have. Like, my frame's never going to grow out of what it is. Right, right. I'm not sleeping well. My skin looks like crap. 
my digestive tract is just off. Like everything I'm putting into my body and everything that I'm giving out right. doesn't match. Wow. Um, so I stopped eating at my bar. I started learning how to meal prep. Yeah. Uh, which was probably like the saving grace right there. Meal planning is amazingly mm-hmm. helpful. Yeah. Meal meal planning was fantastic. I also like once you hit your 30s, everything starts to change. Started realizing that couldn't do cheese, the magical cheese like really? I used to love. What, so it started like indigestional, digestional yep. problems. Yeah. Yep. yeah. yep. Um, so anytime I ate dairy, I felt terrible, and I started no to kidding. when I started to float that out of my life, started to feel a lot better. Really? Like, so like kind of isolating some things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I. Something happened where dairy became not my friend, which is really sad because I still love cheese. It's the worst. So I, I am actually really sad right now. Yeah. I know. I mean, almond milk's a good substitute. I'm not yeah. I'm not sad it about tastes that. good. Yeah, yeah. But cheese, man. Cheese is magical. I'll yeah. still suffer through it once in a while sure. with some lactate to, to back up. But uh, <laughs> yeah, it's stuff like that. I mean, even things such as like onions and shallots. and Really? Like those, Garlic and yeah. Yep. Those things cooked down were harmful for my body no kidding yeah so uh i did a lot of i, I did go to the doctor first because i was like what's going on right, they're trying right. to tell me that i had gallstones and it wasn't the case yeah, it was it was more dietary stuff so i started trying to testing on my own what worked and what didn't work for my body yeah. um so dairy had to go uh and it's um you know cooked cooked onions raw onions are great uh but cooked onions because really the bad there's thing. some conversion there what's that there's an acid i, I or think something. it's a breakdown of a, of a protein inside yeah, yeah, yeah. some some chain breakdown in the in the cooking process really didn't work for my body so i started really opening up my eyes to what my body was responding to and and started to go with that so the the eating was the first thing to change yeah. um i found when i was still at my day job because i worked at i worked for johns hopkins hospital really doing doing what over there i was working for the chief of medicine helping to coordinate the medical intern program oh wow there. yeah so still involved in education and and health to a degree yeah but i also found that wasn't necessarily where i belonged it was a very very conservative office and yeah I you bet. know my hair is as red as this wall so you can, <laughs> a I crimson guess, color yeah yeah it, it didn't quite work for them um but i was able to at that time start to go to the gym because there was a gym right below my office which yeah. was fantastic so I started using my lunch hours to become my workout hours and got on a really good routine from that. Yeah. Um, that helped. I was also, you know, still playing roller derby at the time, so it really improved my my oh, yeah, game stand- for that too. Well, leg legs are amazingly stabilizing things, oh, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but just the dietary changes alone dropped like 20 pounds I didn't know that Holy didn't crap. need to be all my body. Yeah, yeah. And it was just from crap that I was taking into my body yeah. and not able to process properly um, and then putting a little daily workout into it as well. And so things started to kind of transform. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, I'd say up until up until a year ago, I played roller derby, but I had been weightlifting pretty heavily and then trying to figure out a transition out of roller derby and into something else because team sports are my life. And if I don't yeah. play sports, I get... You feel un- kind of empty. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I get unhealthy. I, I definitely need that mental... Thing for myself, I need right, competition. Right. I need camaraderie. Um, so I, then I which found, a bar kind of offers that. In yeah, a yeah, sense, it, it? it yeah. absolutely does. And I, you know, stopping roller derby was a result of being in a position of leadership at the bar. When I finally decided to leave, I finally decided to leave nine to five world about two and a half years ago. Yeah. So can we talk about yeah, that? Yeah, so please. I, you spend this time pursuing academia, mm-hmm. writing, really, really getting involved with health. I'll just call it generally mm-hmm. health, right? And so you're doing some work at Johns Hopkins or Hop, John Hopkins, and then. What's that moment where you realize perhaps I 
can't be a, a do- in a doctor's office all the yeah. time. I can't be in a hospital. Yeah, I um, I just felt like I I recognized that I wasn't happy. Mm-hmm. So mentally, I wasn't happy where I was. It wasn't fulfilling. I wasn't proud of what I did every single day. Yeah. Proud, yes, fine, yeah. but I didn't want to brag about it. Like it was nothing I wanted to brag about. I wanted to be very happy to go to work, and it felt like I was less and less happy going to work. It's, so it was perhaps not an extension of you. Yeah, you, you know what I mean. Like sometimes you want to say this is a this is a piece of my passion. Right. Yeah. And it was it was hard. I always felt like I was trying to fit in, so I never felt like it was a part of me. I felt like I was trying to insert myself in a place. Where I didn't necessarily belong. Yeah. I had great coworkers, but they also, when I told them I was going to make the transition and, and go into bartending full time, which I had done part time for about five and a half years before before that, uh, they're like, "That makes a lot of sense." Oh. They told me. So they were really supportive. They understood. Yeah, yeah. Oh, they absolutely great. understood. Um, and the reasons why I decided to make the leap was because um, I had really nothing to lose and I'd never taken big big risks before yeah. you know being a very working class human being I think all of my steps were very calculated because there wasn't a lot of money when I was growing up so everything was kind of planned to a T yeah. for myself and um, I'd never decided to just take a chance and at that point like I didn't have debt I didn't have anything to really worry about so right. I took the took plunge. chance yeah um, and I quit uh, Hopkins and they were Again, super supportive. I just saw one of the doctors I used to work with a couple weeks ago. She oh, cool. came in to drop off bitters oh. that her husband was making. Um, See, there you go. Yeah. You're ahead of the curve, yeah, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and I made the jump. I, I first went to a hotel bar mm-hmm. that was really high volume, um, very, very corporate, was a good at launching pad, but wasn't really my cup of tea but it's kind of it's actually that seems like a nice transitional Mm -hmm. job because it's still kind of corporate but it's giving you a little more freedom yeah if anything that was probably the safest thing to go to because i also left a bar i had been at for for five and a half years and it was a dive bar it wasn't going to necessarily bring in you know the the income that i needed so this was a safe transition um thankfully along the line i got an offer to go to uh, uh, upscale Italian restaurant. What's it called? Agio? Yeah. 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 Um, well, uh, so Brian Baltaggio. Baltaggio. Yeah, yeah. yeah. They um, never really focused on the bar before that was just superior food and the wine program was amazing. And they're yeah. like, we need somebody to run the bar. What do you think? And I'm like, okay, why the hell not? Like, I- well, so this is, this is, a th- all right. So knowing health, of course, you're, you've got a, probably a great attention of detail. Mm-hmm. You understand causation and how things probably work at even a molecular level. So alcohol is a lot like that. Yep. When you get a role like that, do you feel that you are intellectually equipped to do that? I wasn't sure. Really? I, I was scared to death because I'd never been in charge of my own program. I've always been like a leader within sports and, right, and right, things right. of that nature, but I never thought about whether I had the tools to be in a position to lead a bar program. Um, so I, I took a chance. That was a bigger risk, I think, than leaving leaving my safe nine to five job because yeah. this was the, what the hell if I don't know what I'm doing. Um, but what I walked into was a very nurturing environment where the chef, the sommelier and the general manager became my kind of like semi mentors yeah. and team, team players. Like the Brain chef, yeah, oh yeah, yeah. yeah, the chef taught me amazing things about culinary techniques. So where I, at this dive bar I had worked for, for the longest time, I, I developed this, 
awkward palette because he carried the weirdest spirits possible. Really? Yeah. So it was great. So I had this really unique palette and I was used to making these weird combinations of flavors to make good stuff. Yeah. But now I have this chef who's teaching me how to actually make some of the ingredients that I want to do. So making the syrups on my own, making these weird flavors, using strange products to kind of... Can you just clarify what strange might mean in this case? Because um, it's probably something we drink normally now. Well, maybe. I mean, um, he taught me... I was trying to make a drink with horchata, and oh, he taught uh, me horchata. instead of horchata because it had that really gritty texture, yeah. and you know, you always have this like settlement problem that comes in. He taught me how to make a tole on my own, which is instead oatmeal blended down with the same kind of spices you would find okay, in horchata. So, yeah, I am making a face. And then, interesting, and then blend it down into like this almost paste-like consistency, yeah, but yeah. a little bit thinner so you could work with it more. Um, and I got to use that wow. instead. So things like that, teaching me how to sous vide products. Like yeah, this is yeah. where all the culinary techniques of like being able to cryovac your stuff to save what it for later. Are we talking that you were kind of doing this stuff? Um, this Probably like last year is where I was really... Oh, cool. Okay. Yeah. Learning the, the bulk of everything. I started... August would have been, August was when I started. So from August until now of last year, yeah. I was like just getting all absorbing, this crazy absorbing. amount of stuff. Um, starting learning to work with alternative acids where he put me in touch with, you know, what kind of vinegars I could use yeah. or different, um, making my own like acid combinations and Fox. using verjus. Yeah, and, yeah. Oh, that's, that's yeah. great. Well, very culinary focused. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For so, alcohol, yeah. Yeah, and I, like, I love my chef. He's out in uh, California now, and I miss him dearly, but he taught me so much stuff. And then my sommelier and I worked together because he had a very discerning palate. Yeah. Um, he taught me about wine, which really helped kind of fall back into my cocktails, too, to, like, really nuance flavors. Um made me fall in love with grappa because of different oh, yeah. varietals and things like that. Um, but also being in that Italian setting, I was able to, I'd always loved bitters mm. and Amari, uh, but kind of like went off the deep end with his, his guidance too. Cause he yeah. kept putting me in contact with all these different wine producers that could give me different Amari that they had as well. That's amazing. Um, and kind of just went. It sounds like kind of a wonderland. Yeah. Like Willy Wonka's like a, a it was store there. Phenomenal. I love that. I love that space so much. It just happened to be the greatest concept in the middle of a college kid's playground. So Kind it, of ahead of its time. Yeah, it yeah. just didn't work in the setting. Anywhere else in the city, it would have killed it. been phenomenal. Yeah. Um, so we've all departed and gone different ways since then. But, I mean, that was it was an amazing opportunity to really develop and cultivate what would be my niche, I guess, in terms yeah. of, like, the bitters and the, you know, making your own products, using sustainable ingredients. I try to use every single... Another thing he was big on was using every portion of the product. Right, yeah, yeah. So... No it, waste, right? Right, yeah. no waste. Limited waste. Uh, and that's still something I'm trying really... Like, I'm in a very, very high-volume setting right now, so yeah. I'm trying like hell to not waste a lot. Um, but that definitely came into fruition right there. Like, that's... That, that was the Jedi training, yeah. right? Like, can you come out of it probably with some really aha kinds of yeah. objectives getting out of there? Lots of that. Lots of uh, also denying of family meal there because it was really, really delicious stuff that yeah, I couldn't yeah. eat. Oh, that's <laughs> great. That's or not sorry, not great, but that's a great realization mm -hmm. to have. Yep. Yeah. So, um, yeah, not being able to eat all the cheese and dairy-heavy pasta that was handmade yeah. every single day and absolutely exquisite, um, but learning also. You know, still taking into the meal prep accountability, being able to pack my own lunch and eat with the family right, still. Right. So, um, yeah, so you still can make it social, mm -hmm. 
Yeah, that, I think that's an interesting thing. And actually, I want to talk about that for a moment. Before we talk about our bar and then kind of the topics of discussion for Bar Institute here yeah. in Austin, health's a big thing for me, too. That's really mm-hmm. one of the reasons I wanted I was interested in talking to you. We, in this industry, there's a lot of things. There's stress. There is convenience. And we reach for bad things. We sip bad things. Alcohol in itself, however, is not bad, in, you know, in itself. Like uh, drinking a neat spirit is not necessarily bad. So we talk. Let's talk about food then. For mm-hmm. one. So you are bound to have some tips for people because since they don't plan, they have to, after the fact, find food that's probably not so good. Go right. to a street cart, eat something bad. So for someone that's working a really long shift, what is maybe some some notes that you have for them to help them be prepared? So. Yeah, preparation is always going to be key. Um, I think if you can find a way to get one really solid balanced meal in before your shift and then pack snacks yeah, yeah. so you can eat every two to three hours in, in those 12 to 14-hour shifts, that's going to be the best thing that possibly can help you. What are a few snacks that you, that um, you like? And you Justin's, the Justin's nut butter, butter, butter packets. Yeah, yeah. And those guys are awesome. The guy who I had worked with, because I taught this class in full at the Baltimore Bar Institute last wow. year, not like the moving so much, but just the why our bodies are at risk in this particular industry, mind and body. And um, talking to the Justin's guys, they were all ex-bartenders. And they're like, we love this idea. So they sent tons of samples. And like those little guys. Good protein, good fats. Yeah, 190 calories and just straight protein. Like you can't really get better than that. And that's something you can bend over to tie your shoe and sneak that in very quickly or run to the bathroom really quick and eat that on your way. And that'll still keep you going for the next couple of hours. Mm. I think those are amazing. Honey Stinger is another one that what does. Is that? Oh, is that the same packet, right? Yep. Uh, yeah. They they do like little waffle, energy waffles. Oh, I've seen those, yeah. Um, so they're not vegan, which is the only thing if like you're a vegan, that's right. the one thing that wouldn't work for you. Uh, but they, everything else is organic products that come into it. They're just fantastic to have quick and on the go, and they really do pack a lot of protein in there. So basically we're looking for a good combination of protein and carbs. Right. Um, if you can boil some eggs ahead of time, perfect. Yeah. Hard boiled egg, easy thing to take on the road. Um, and then, I mean, that's the best thing you can do. Totally, be prepared. Right? Be prepared. And if we're getting to this place where we're working four shifts a week, which is hopefully what everybody's doing, like that's that's the max that I will allow my bartenders, mm-hmm. barbacks, and bar servers to work every week is four shifts, um, so they can have those other three days to prep mentally reset physically reset and everything if you can take one day and about three hours of your life and meal prep three to five decent meals and snacks so you Mm -hmm. can just grab and go every day that's the best thing you can do for yourself so you don't have an excuse of i don't have time or i woke up late you can just snag that stuff out of the fridge and go yeah um what about so after shift things are you you want to have a drink to unwind which i completely understand right but then that follows some other decisions. It follows staying out till four yeah. in the morning. What do you what do you do then? You that's I mean, in that case, that's why I really try to promote eating while you're working. Yeah. Like getting those every two to three hours. So you're not starving and famished. Yeah. You, no. Because you really want to stop. Um, you want to stop eating about twelve to fourteen hours after you've been awake. Yeah. Which kind of falls in line with how every bartender's schedule works out. Right. Yeah. For the most part. So if you can keep those protein and carb heavy snacks going along the way given that you've had that one meal beforehand that should help you i never really encourage a big meal at the end of a shift just because it's so much harder to digest it's so much harder for your body to reset and fall asleep um it's really important for preparation to go into it if you absolutely must eat something afterwards i say something super simple like 
apple or celery and peanut butter just to something like something fibrous. Yep. A low the slow digesting carb yep, basically. Right? Absolutely. Yeah. Um, I think that's the best way to go about it. And I think if you combine that with a good amount of water, like getting your half your body weight in ounces every single yeah, day, yeah. if you can get that, the water combination with everything else kind of keeps you hydrated, keeps your organs functioning well, keeps your skin. Satiated like, too, yep. which is good, yeah. And keeps you full. Yep, keeps you full and gets the digestion process going. Um, Do you think this stuff, so I think we've both probably done a lot of reading, on, on whether it's bodybuilding. Yeah. Or not, you know, not professionally necessarily, but... How do you build muscle? How do you stay mm-hmm. and all this kind of stuff? It can be really confusing. Like, where do I start? Right? This is something that I think that a lot of people don't understand exactly. And so for people that... So the concept of packing meals makes a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. Getting little bite-sized things you can eat kind of progressively through a ship makes some sense. But how... Can you give... For someone that's like, well, I don't really get eating. I don't understand what I should do. What do you think might be a good guidance for them? If that makes sense. Um, I mean, just to get them wrapping their heads yeah, around the meal prep wrap, idea. Wrapping them, wrapping it around what, in essence, should they be eating? You know. Yeah. Um. I mean, you can you can look at the the food pyramid versus the food plate. Like it's now the food plate that we're going off of yeah. from for the FDA and whatnot. You can look at what the balance is. It's got to be a good balance of fruits, veggies. Um, proteins yeah. and and trying to have some like mineral intake <laughs> along the way um i'd say i mean everybody's on the internet anyways google up meal google meal planning yeah, and yeah. just look at intro to meal planning so they can see what works for them yeah um really another good way is just to make a list of things i like to eat things i don't like to eat and if the things that you like to eat and the don't like to eat don't like if you see junk food more so on the don't like yeah, yeah. you got to rethink some life choices and you gotta think about I want celery this. yeah, yeah. celery is good for you yeah, it's good for you it's uh what is it loss for your colon that's right <laughs> yeah um it's you can i would suggest just looking at samples on on the web of yeah. proper food preparation and and diet intro like because people don't know what good foods are for them like i don't think so yeah because yeah. like, uh, like i give given you have some problems there but Light string cheese is a great protein dense, you know what I mean? Yeah. You can keep it in your pocket, you know? Yeah. So for the people that can have dairy, that's a great thing to carry on all hands. I just reset myself and I go for more, you know, almond butters and peanut butters and things like that so I can get my my nut proteins from that. Um, I do fake cheese too. Some of the fake cheeses are doing good in terms of getting some protein back in there because they're pea protein. Yeah. Um, So you do get a lot of vegetable protein, but there's this. You know, other kinds it, of nutrients and things. Yeah, other other sources are definitely um, out there for you. I think clean eating is a good way to start. Yeah. Uh, I don't really, I don't think you need to go the route of paleo. I don't think you need to go the route of zone or anything like that. Yeah. I think clean, which gives you the most unprocessed foods possible, mm. is really the way to go because you're just trying to get the healthiest right. stuff into and your And they body. happen to be less ca- calorie dense, too. Mm-hmm. That's something that a lot of people don't realize. Like, yep. light cleans. Like, well... Probably one of the reasons you're skinnier and more fit is because you're not consuming as many calories. Yeah. Is that piece or of good too, you know? calories? Like That's I'm getting right, only right. the good stuff in. I'm getting the good fats. Like you know, I eat avocados. Like it's my job. Oh. They're amazing and delicious. But yeah, I I think trying to look up clean eating and looking looking for example yeah. starter diet, not diets. I never want to think of it as diet, but like mm. starter meal prep is kind of the way good to go. Parameters mm-hmm. to All right, so. Good. So I'm. I'm now. I'm. I'm actualized. I'm planning my meals. I'm getting more water, but I'm still gonna be drinking. So, what 
parameters, I think, is an okay word, but what kinds of habits do you think are good habits with drinking? Um, I think drinking for celebration, drinking to socialize yeah. is totally fine. I think that when you have had a rough day and you go to your friend's bar and have a drink, that might not be the way to go about mm. things. So instead of, like in this very emotionally tasking job that we do right. and mentally tasking job that we do, instead of trying to get off shift and immediately have a drink, maybe go to the gym. Uh -huh. So try the 24-hour the fitness stuff, the Planet Fitness, which is 10 bucks a month, yeah, or just yeah. try to do, you know, 10 to 15 minutes of high intensity, uh, high to moderate intensity right, right. Ex exercise when you're done with work as a way to just kind of like shake things off before you decide to go out drinking because that may take that immediate reaction and need yeah. away from you. Like we all want to visit our friends. We all want to go pay attention to the other bartenders and support them. But after your shift, when you've had a bad day, isn't necessarily the way to go about it. Yeah. So I preach a lot about self-care and trying to find other things that make you happy. Um, think of stuff that you did when you were five years old that really Oh, yeah, playing in mud. Yeah, play with mud, drawing in books. If you have the opportunity, things that you didn't do when you were five, but things that make you happy, like go have sex. Like, yeah, totally. Do, do things that make you physically and mentally that happy. That makes me want to drink whiskey, though, admittedly. Well, <laughs> things that can be paired. It's, yeah. it's everything in moderation, right? So I talk about how much water you need to take in, and I drink coffee like it's oh, religion, Yeah. right? And for every cup of coffee that I take in, I have to drink two more cups of water to make up for that. So it's life's all about balance. I'm not yeah. trying to preach one particular way of life for anybody, but just to find moderation, yeah. just like anybody else would preach to you. Moderation is key. You know, try to find better ways to deal with your bad days. Talk to somebody. Yeah. Go zone out. Go do yoga. Go ride a bike. Go, you know, watch anime yeah, or yeah. whatever you like to do. But don't always translate it into drinking as the immediate reaction for a bad day, a bad shift, or anything like that. Do you think, so one of the things is, Google's like obviously a great resource. So you have... For health, I think there's plenty of resources, even some consultation you can have among your peers in the industry and stuff. But psychologically, I don't think there are the same just collection of resources to deal with, not illness might be too far, but right. just mental conditions, just general stress, general anxiety. Do you have any ideas as how we can rally behind maybe a better infrastructure around that? Yeah, absolutely. I And I totally agree with you. I think um, what we experience as bartenders or people in this profession is the same as secondary trauma that teachers, yeah. medical professionals all experience. What they do is seek outside resources. I think it's okay to commiserate with your friends, yeah. but know that they're experiencing potentially the same amount of trauma and also you inviting your trauma onto them totally. is another thing. Which just gets it's a dark, what is it, Misery Loves Company? Yeah, Misery yeah. Loves Company. Um, in Baltimore, I know we have a lot of free or very low price resources in terms of mental health counseling yeah. if you wanted to seek it. Um, Loyola uh, University is one that's near us that offers like a $15 drop-in oh, to, wow. to have hour-long sessions. That's great. And they'll pair you with somebody. Like you go through a, a short little survey and they'll pair you with somebody that meets wow. your goals, your expectations. Um, I think maybe having a group of bartenders to meet outside of a drinking facility, like right. maybe go to the park and just chat about things is a better way to deal with it. Because yeah. anytime you involve the alcohol on top Hard. of the stories, yeah. it, it just, it steamrolls. Well, it's a depressive yeah. and it skews the conversation, yeah. you know. But, what, so what do you, for you, 
someone that is, I find it's really sometimes being healthy and being committed to being healthy. Although you can do it, it causes a lot of stress in itself. Yes. You know what I mean? Because you're like, well, what if I just have an extra whiskey? It's like a really great tasting. You know, how do I even deal? I'm talking about me now. This yeah. is, a, you know, about people behind the bar necessarily. But how do you deal with the stress of all of this? What is the best way for you? Um, for, for me, the physical activity is my stress relief. If yeah. I didn't have that, I think that would be kind of tough. But I also, I put a lot of pressure on myself, just like what you're saying, in terms of if I don't meet my workouts. Like yeah. right now, yeah, I'm, exactly, right? I'm doing starting strength, which is... I'm bodybuilding. I'm doing Olympic, Olympic lifting, and my goal is to get as strong as possible so I can yeah. be a better strong woman competitor. Um, and if I am not on this every other day lifting pattern, then that messes up my routine. Like, I'm gone all week, and I'm going to be reset about 10 to 15 pounds when Absolutely. I go back. Yeah, so yeah. it's tough. I think forgiveness for yourself is a really important thing, too. Like, letting yourself have hiccups in training or hiccups in your shift, yeah. hiccups are okay. Let yourself have a bad day. Let yourself not have a schedule that meets the demands that, that are set forth to you yeah. and just be forgiving to yourself. Um, that relieves a lot of emotional and mental stress for yourself too, so too yeah. and allows you to be a little bit more relaxed. Because part of that being healthy is having not having the stress. Right. So if you can, just exhale it out. Mm-hmm. You know, let go of it. That actually will be better for your body anyway. Yep. Um, it's whatever form of self-care that you can possibly give to yourself. Yeah. I know I'm, I'm like battling that myself right now just with having a new bar open. I'm working 70 hours a week on a regular basis and, you know, I don't have time for my partner. I don't yeah. have time for myself. I sit awake at night because I've got this extra stress. So I'm still every single day working with myself trying to find what works for me, what doesn't. Like how do I turn everything off? Yeah. How do I how do I turn my brain off so I can actually get some sleep? Um, I've tried for myself, I've tried readjusting my schedule and now I get up a little earlier to go work out before I go to work yeah. instead of afterwards, which is way you know, tough. After, yeah. yeah. It's also kind of cool being the only person in the gym at that time. That's but when true. You can grunt yeah. as much as you want. Yeah. So. <laughs> um, but I, I think just being willing to make accommodations to your own schedule and try to adjust is yeah. the biggest thing. So for me, again, readjusting my self to be up in the mornings for the gym, then go to work after that. Um, I think be willing to change, be yielding, be flexible, yeah. and keep trying to find different solutions for yourself. You have to, because your body changes. Mm-hmm. You know, Sometimes yoga will be better for you than resistance training. Yep. Maybe hit will be better than steady stick. I mean, there's so many different things, and it can be, get confusing, but I think that you have set some kind of like easy guideposts, if you will, mile markers, yeah. to try to kind of understand that. And so as part of the Bar Institute that this is Econo, is that what the, yeah. this version, which is kind of cool, and it's like a light version preparing us for, I think, uh, June or July where it comes back to Dallas. Yeah. A bigger piece of it. So these tours, you've got multiple dates and everything. I imagine you talk about a lot of this stuff in your presentation. Mm-hmm. What other kinds of things do you cover to try to help the community when you're on the road here doing this class? So in this, uh, for the Econo tour, I am trying to teach people about how they can move behind the bar, uh, more functional movement that's yeah, helpful yeah. to them, using their low boys and counters as stretching oh, implements, yeah, yeah. using your bar tools as a stretching implement for over top of your head, um, basically just learning to work in the space that you have. And then what I've brought as just like an extra fun thing is lacrosse balls for everybody to teach a little bit of a self, self 
release yeah. for the uh, for the massage um, because massages I think are fantastic to get, but they're not necessarily economically possible for no, everybody. No um, so with the lacrosse balls, I've been showing them how tightness in the wrist, elbows, and shoulders can be handled through rolling out of the forearms, biceps, and triceps. Yeah. Um, and that if they're experiencing a lot of lower back pain, how they can roll out their hips and their uh, many different series of the glutes yeah, yeah. Um, to help them out with that. And then got everybody with their shoes off to show how rolling the arches of the feet help with foot pain that comes. So those three major areas that we're generally experiencing most pain when we're coming off of our shifts, yeah. teaching them how a $3 lacrosse ball might serve, might, a, might heal them completely. You know? Yeah, I mean, if it's... It, it's not always about how much something costs. If it's effective, it's effective. Mm -hmm. You know, coffee filters are what less than a cent a piece, but they're right? incredibly functional. Mm -hmm. you know? The audience themselves—they've been pretty responsive thus far. Yeah, I think so. Um, today was—I—I I, I think it's good watching. My favorite part is watching the people experience how uh, the self-myofascial release will. Oh yeah. Really, yeah. just the trigger points once they start to release, they like their eyes and like seeing them sink into it because they're relaxed and actually feeling like some sense of relief for the yeah. first time in a long time or just seeing how simplistic of a solution there is mm. um i think that's been really cool it's an amazing thing to kind of act to see people just get it mm -hmm. all of a sudden you know yeah i think um it's been really cool and today was a much smaller group this morning compared to yesterday so i just sat down and had like a more intimate conversation with everybody asking yeah. them what they do um there was a you know some bar managers there's some bar backs bartenders a little bit of every, and a brand ambassador um, trying to figure out what they do on a day-to-day -day life and see how they're trying to make healthy choices. Mm -hmm. um, it was really refreshing to hear that most of them are either implementing four-day schedules for their people wow. or are already on it, and they didn't really... I, I don't know where this came from, but yeah. I'm really happy to see that we're not like forcing the burnout before you know, it, before, before it needs, it's a problem. Like it's, it's a huge problem in our industry, but they're just not buying into it, which is great. Interesting, yeah. You know, um, and talking to people who have been in the industry for six years, 16 years, mm. and seeing the different wears and tears that they're already experiencing and how we can like come together and kind of combat that. It's, it's amazing. When, did you ever see yourself kind of in the teaching capacity? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, um, I, even though I ended up at Hopkins in that position, I was an academic advisor and I taught. <laughs> I was a PE teacher for a little while, too. <laughs> Um, generally for little kids, so it's good to see the same light in the eyes from yeah. the adults that they, the and kids that, that, have. That glimmer of kind of like curiosity and understanding that mm -hmm. I think it comes through at any age. Yeah, and I mean, I wasn't necessarily thinking that I'd be teaching this while bartending, but because I kept, because of my healthy habits and they showed in my community, people mm. were like kind of joking and making fun of like, how can you possibly do any of this? I'm like, well, it's actually sort of easy if you just give yourself a little bit of time yeah. and, and willingness to adjust that it's such easy transitions that can be done to make for healthy better healthy living while in the, the hospitality industry. Yeah, so it is absolutely possible. You're helping people understand that it mm -hmm. is possible. And so you were in Dallas yesterday, Austin today. Where are you guys heading tomorrow? San Antonio. San Antonio. Oh, perfect. Okay. So the trifecta. Yeah. It's great. Great people in San Antonio mm -hmm. too. So again, you get this this threat of health, this threat of mental and physical health, learning more behind the bar. And I'm really curious, where do you think this all kind of ends up? Because you've got so many different possibilities, or is it just day at a time, figure it out as it goes along? Um, I, I guess I am trying to, like, I'm trying to forge my own 
space with with the the new health kind of turned towards everything. I mean, yeah. it's always been there for me. I just didn't know it would be there in this capacity. In this capacity, right? Yeah. Um, personally, at home, I am teaching a free movement class for everybody on my bar staff mm. uh, once a week on Mondays, and then I allow for five dollar drop ins for anybody in our guild or, so or cool. hospitality yeah. industry. So I'm starting with that. I don't know whether I want to make just like a bartender movement lab in yeah. itself and try to go from there. But I think in the meantime, while I try to figure it out, I'm just going to keep preaching the gospel of healthy moving and, and healthy living while you're in the hospitality it, world. It's incredibly beneficial. A lot yeah. of people don't have the confidence to take the right steps. And I think that you giving them some signs and some understanding, I think that's really helpful. Yeah. So I've got one, one more question sure. for you. Because I want to know who you kind of find interesting. We joke about Cal Ripken, Cal Ripken Jr. being awesome because he was awesome. But let's imagine you're at any bar in the world. I don't know, the Savoy in London or something. Mm-hmm. Something beautiful, right? And you're ordering whatever you want. But you're having a drink, and you could share that drink with anybody, living or deceased. Who might you like to just sit next to and have a conversation with? Oh, man. I've never thought about that one before. Maybe Babe Diedrichson. Who's d- <laughs> like a very, very long ago um, female athlete who was a golfer and just this towering behemoth behemoth of yeah. a woman. She was amazing. Um, but, you know, broke a lot of barriers in terms of women getting into these kind of sports that were, were gentlemen's clubs yeah. and things like that. I think I always still go back to, like, women's rights and sports and things like that. So that's probably where I'd go back Pioneer to. Pioneer like that. Yeah. She was, a, she was a force to be reckoned with. See, but that's like the good thing is now I'm going to look her up. Yeah. Right? Because that's kind of the whole point because it's yeah. like you, we all have really particular interests. And for some reason, that question really helps me understand people at a different level. Mm-hmm. So, But it's good that you're here in Austin. It's good that you're telling people how to be healthy. Uh, I'm really excited to see what happens next. And, you know, Godspeed on the rest of the tour here Thank at Bar you. Institute. Thanks so much, Amy, for sitting down and chatting with me. Thank you. Well, there we have it, Miss Amy Ward of Baltimore, traveling these fine United States with the Bar Institute, talking about health, talking about eating, talking about planning, how to just take care of your body. And she has, as she mentions, a tip there with a lacrosse ball, a cheap purchase on Amazon that can help your shoulders and other areas of your back tremendously to alleviate stress and a lot of that lactic acid that builds up. So yes, health is a big passion of mine and of course Amy's and it's great to talk about this stuff. So thank you for listening to Show to V with Mike G. No matter how excited you are that Ray Donovan season five will be premiering this August or if you're thinking, man, how could Silicon Valley get any better, blood boy? Please keep dancing.